Hi friends, I'm Amy Julia Becker, and this is Love is Stronger Than Fear, a podcast about pursuing hope and healing in the midst of social division. In this season, we're talking about how we can respond to the brokenness in our own lives and in our society with our whole selves, head, heart, and hands. Today, I get to talk to Catherine Wolfe about healing and brokenness and how she and her husband Jay came to start a camp for people with disabilities and their families that gives them all a little taste of heaven. At the end of this interview, I'll let you know how you can win a copy of Catherine and Jay's beautiful new book, Suffer Strong. One quick announcement before we get to this interview. Uh, For those of you who aren't on my newsletter list, I have a new devotional guide for the season of Lent. There's a short reading and reflection uh, for every day from Ash Wednesday through Easter. I've put it together to be used by individuals or by groups. So if you want to find out more and order a copy or order some for your small group, just visit amyjuliabecker.com. And now my conversation with Catherine Wolfe. My guest today is Catherine Wolf, and if you don't already know who Catherine is, all I'm going to say right now is that she is the co-author with her husband Jay of two beautiful books, Hope Heals and Suffer Strong, and also the co-founder of the Hope Heals Camp, which we're also going to get to talk about more in this episode. But for right now, I just want to say, Catherine, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So I just finished reading Suffer Strong. I am feeling we're talking on Zoom, so I want to hold up the cover of Suffer Strong as if listeners can see it, which they can't, but it's really beautiful. I just really love it. So if you are listening to this, I'm just going to encourage you to take a look at the cover of this book. Um, It's just a picture of Catherine and Jay, but it's a really, it's just a really lovely um, book cover. So I want to hold it up right now for everyone to see. Oh, (laughs) thanks. Um, Thank you. And I will say I so appreciated this book. And before I dive into all of my questions about what you wrote about and asking you to say more, I feel like it's important for listeners to get some of the backstory about who you are and your story. So you went from being a young married 20 something model living in Los Angeles to who you are now. And I'd love for you to just um, narrate that story a bit for people. Oh, absolutely. I married um, in Georgia at 22 years old, and my husband and I set out on an adventure to California. Mm. Um, We didn't really know why, but we just kind of had adventurous spirits and said, let's do this. And he went to Pepperdine Law School, and I was doing um, a lot of funny things to make ends meet, (laughs) and we had a baby, um, about three years into our marriage, and then six months after he was born, I had a massive brainstem stroke out of nowhere with no warning, no medical history, nothing, just one moment. Um, it was called an arterial venous malformation or AVM, and it's kind of like a really severe brain aneurysm that mm-hmm. ruptures. Um, anywhere in the body, but mine was in the brainstem and it caused um, a massive stroke. And um, yeah, I I very nearly died from it, but I I didn't obviously. And after two years of basic recovery, I began to regain um, a number of functions. And um, I went a year without eating and 18 months without walking at all. And um, yeah, life has been 
absolutely incredible post-stroke, but entirely different because uh, my body is still very physically disabled mm -hmm. and I cannot drive a car. I cannot walk on my own without assistance. Um, I'm deaf in one ear, blind in one eye. My face is paralyzed on one side. My hand, one hand doesn't work. I don't have fine motor control and many, many other issues. And yet life um, has been just amazing for me i've gone on to have a second child john who's now five years old and my husband and i get to share and speak and write about um our journey and we have a camp for families with disabilities and we just feel like the lord has really um use what was you know terrible tragic brokenness from a young age and just transform that into something really beautiful that we get to champion for our whole lives and we we love that we love um our story of redemption well i love your story of redemption too and i felt myself getting teary just hearing you recount um what happened because i can remember we have a mutual friend which is how i first right. met you and I remember yeah. when you first had your stroke, um, praying for you. And that's long before we ever met in person. But I know that was right. true that just, you know, there were so many people who were really struck even at that time because you were so young and it was so unexpected and so massive. Um, and again, right. to think of the ways in which those prayers kind of seeded so much unexpected beauty and growth, like it didn't all happen right. the way anyone would have expected and yet um here you are and how many years ago or like how many years ago are we talking about 12 and a half so it was, okay. it was april of 2008 so it's been i guess a little over 12 and a half years now um yeah. since the stroke i'm 38 and i was 26 and i had the stroke yeah yeah okay um well so i'd love to hear you talk a lot about healing in suffer strong yeah. And sure. you talk about it in a simple way, but also a complicated way, because what right. you're saying right. in Suffer Strong is I am healed. I have been healed. Right. And right. yet you also write about how healing has been different than what you or others might have ever expected and anticipated. Right. So I'm Absolutely. just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what has been different than expected, what you mean when you say you've been healed, what that experience has been like. Absolutely. So traditionally, when you think of healing, what comes to mind for most is physical healing, of course, mm -hmm. that the body is healed, which that in my case, in and of itself is complicated. Because if you look at where I was after the stroke to where I am today, you would consider that pretty dramatic healing mm -hmm. has happened. Um, however, if you were to look at me today on the street and you didn't know my story at all, you would a thousand percent say I am not healed after mm. the massive stroke. Um, my first thought on that that is always really important to communicate is that I always thought that healing meant the body is restored to where it was pre-incident. Mm -hmm. However, on um, the journey that I really feel like God has taken me on through these years is to recognize that true, true healing has nothing to do with the body. Mm -hmm. The body is wasting away um, for all of us mm -hmm. at various times in life. Mine's happening super early. 
However, the soul is what matters. Mm. <laughs> that what was most, most broken was not my body after the stroke. It was my heart. It was just in a million pieces. How could this happen to me? My feelings were just so hurt. Um, I felt like God really hurt my feelings. God really messed up here and years and years of processing and reckoning and reasoning with God led me to recognize that my feelings aren't hurt anymore by Mm. God. And in a way that only God can transform the mind. I think this transformation happened where I, where I, was able to see that I have been healed in the most broken place of all, which was the heart, the soul, that had nothing to do with physicality ever. That's all about the condition and posture I live with on earth looking to my savior. So it's actually Mm. a paradigm shift that has nothing to do with the physical world at all. Um, I... I wish I didn't think of this because I'll botch it, but I love this quote. Um, C.S. Lewis says, You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Hmm. I am not my body. I am my soul. I am my memories. I am my faith. I am my personality. The sum of who I am is not how capable my body is or isn't, which is so beautifully translated as God really opened my eyes to this, into all of our work and advocacy for the disabled community. Because, of course, their capability in the world is by and large fairly low. And yet I believe that that has zero impact on whether or not they experience quote unquote healing because the way we see it is so, so wrong. I have so many thoughts based on what you just said, Catherine. And one of them is, one of them is actually going back to, um, do you know John Swinton at all? He's a, um, Sounds super familiar. Okay. He's a theologian who has worked a lot with people with disabilities um, and especially with dementia, actually. So intellectual disability. But he wrote to me once, this is just in like an email exchange when I was asking him about healing. And he said, you know, the biblical understanding of health is not the absence of disease or injury. It's the presence of God. And what Mm. I'm struck by is the sense that, and this is from reading your books and getting to know you guys a bit, but like the, that in, so on the one hand, what you're saying is like the body is just, it doesn't matter. Like that's not what we need to be really thinking about. But on the other hand, it's the experience of physical disability that has actually enabled your soul to heal. Right. Yeah. And your heart to heal. It's not a rejection of the body that we are in. No, it's a deeper understanding of of the body we're in and how it can enable us to see truths about God differently than if it worked, quote unquote, normally. Mm -hmm. That having to, it's like everything in life, having to go a harder way can truly enable a different level of understanding. I'm thinking about there's this one place in Suffer Strong where you write, we are all disabled. And I just would love from your own experience for you, because I think probably, um, I know I feel this way in terms of just having a child with an intellectual disability. 
I can see my own disabledness far differently than I could before. But in some ways, I, I mean, I think I would say this, like I was disabled. I was more disabled when I had no understanding of disability than I am now. <laughs> like, And so I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that from your own experience. Of course, I would completely agree, actually, that long before I was struggling with many physical disabilities, I did not know it probably, but I was dealing with many internal disabilities. Mm. I call them invisible wheelchairs that we all have so much brokenness inside of us. So many things that are messed up, you know, fears and various shame and insecurities, haunting memories, so much going on in us. Um, kinds of mental illness and sufferings and there's just so much in our heads and in our hearts that we need a wheelchair for mm-hmm. it's an internal one it's not one that you'd see at the grocery store but no doubt who would not want a big sign that says treat me with care i'm fragile i've been through a lot mm-hmm. i mean we all would so in a way the the outer wheelchair does give me this strange freedom it's so interesting that being seated in a wheelchair is actually this freeing agent for me mm-hmm. because people treat me with more care it's very clear I'm going through a lot (laughs) and there's this there's this yeah beautiful um compassion when there is an outer wheelchair sometimes hopefully that is not present for people coping with internal wheelchairs and I'm very Mm -hmm. aware of that that maybe in some very bizarre twist uh, plot twist here that because of the wheelchair people are more gentle with me and we would all want that so deeply and i um i'm blessed that because i do have significant limitations that that is a reality and i i would say also in this conversation about healing i find it so beautiful that in my story um so many of the elements of things that were not quote unquote healed that have not been restored post-stroke are from the surgeon like people think oh well she's a stroke survivor so that's why she has all these issues but that's actually not exactly right. Yeah. I have all these issues because the wise and careful surgeon made the decision hmm. to wound me very greatly in order for my healing to come. Hmm. And that is a very, very powerful takeaway in all of our stories that I'm kind of this word picture of wounding to healing as it says in the book of Job that there is tremendous wounding but yeah. perhaps it is so healing can come and I I love the thought that in our woundings there is also tremendous healing well and also just that sense that like that is the work that God is always doing like that there's always a movement towards healing but and again as you just described yourself as a word picture and that's such a, yeah. a great sense of like we if we can imagine yeah that healing doesn't always look like what we expect 
One of the things that um, when Penny was first born, I was really struck by was my, what I recognized had always been my image of an ideal human being. And that when I thought hard about it, Peter and I talked about this a lot, that we really saw an ideal human being, if we pushed the image, was like a superhero, like very incredibly physically capable, but also really isolated. Like, truly, what we saw as an ideal human being was someone who didn't need anyone else. And as we thought about that, we were like, oh, my gosh, first of all, that's really sad. And second of all, that's so not what we've ever said we believed about who God created us to be as people in community with each other. Right. Yeah. I'm curious if you can talk also about community, like the role of community in your healing, because obviously there's been this individual experience of healing, but I think there is both a communal aspect in terms of how, and you write about some really beautiful communities in Suffer Strong. Like how have different communities helped you heal, but also how has your healing helped communities? Oh goodness. Community is a game changer for healing. I believe that there is a, a, Big, big link between um, someone's ability to, I mean, science has proven this. There's a lot of research that suggests people heal better in communities. It's very, it's critical to healing. For me, and I have been in, I have been the beneficiary of many, many deep communities that are believing for me when I could not believe for myself. And mm-hmm. that is the, the true value of a community that is like-minded in your faith is that they can tell you the things you know to be true, but you can't believe for yourself in that moment. They're there reinforcing the truth that you desperately need to hear and, and very practically, especially in the more acute seasons of suffering, community has rallied around my family to provide what we need to cope mm-hmm. and to make it more okay to suffer. They're not tr- true community isn't trying to be outcome changers. They're not trying to pray away your pain. Mm. They're just with you in it, sitting in it. You know, Jake and I talk a lot about how the most helpful, meaningful um, community people in our lives were not the ones saying like, you know, God is good all the time or something. They're the ones saying, I cannot believe this happened to you Mm. and letting that just sit and not putting a button on it, but just saying, this is horrible. And that was so healing, just having someone say, I'm in shock how much you're going through. Mm. And you're you're going, yes, thank you. I want that from you because I care what you think. And I, I love knowing that this is a nightmare to you. Yes, I am in the pit of hell. Thank you. Mm. And the true community isn't trying to stamp a Jesus sticker on your pain because it's so much bigger than something a sticker could do. I mean, I got a bullet wound over here. I don't need a little like a piece of Jesus in this moment. I need a, I need a lot of truth of Jesus, but not yet. In this moment, I need you to cry with me and feel the loss with me and let it be shocking to you and horrible and not 
instantly tell me how all things are working together for the good of those who love them because Romans 8 28 is true but that's not needed just yet now I need you to cry and say that it's not okay it's not okay and maybe this speaks to this question but I'm thinking about people who have not ever had a physical or emotional experience of pain or trauma that is this like life changing and transformative. Right, right. Yeah. And yet who still really need healing. Um, right. And course. so I'm yeah. curious if you've like, are there spiritual practices that open up opportunities for that type of healing for people who are just in their like pretty typical lives with their able bodies and their, you know, privilege and all of those things like how right can they become how can we become more aware of our need for healing and actually get it like participate in it absolutely you know what is so interesting even about our camp community of volunteers is no one is coming to serve a population of people struggling with disability unless they've got a story of their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, almost every volunteer is there who've like lost a child or, you know, have something big, but then also plenty of people who seemingly like maybe don't have such a clear story of suffering, but who are recognizing I need to get into the mess. I need to cultivate some deep empathy. I want to stretch the muscles of what I can tolerate. And that grows me. That will tremendously grow who I am as a person. And there's nothing more valuable. I think of so many people who are engaging our friends with intellectual, physical, all sorts of emotional disabilities who think differently about their life and their story because of it. And it's made their lives richer, fuller, mm -hmm. in some way healed their souls to be around the population of hurting people. That things like tremendous privilege and capability do have this bizarre isolating effect and don't allow for perspective. So when life does get awful, which it does for everybody in some season, they have no coping ability because they've cultivated mm. zero empathy or understanding for the other. Yeah. And I think there is, so there is that sense of just um, when we begin to recognize for those of us, again, who are in the more typical way of American life, when yeah, we begin yeah. to recognize that, it's like being in community or relationship with people who have had that experience. And again, not as a patronizing, let me see how much I have to offer you. But as I am giving to you, I am all the more recognizing what I need. Like what I need from yeah. you, but also just my own neediness more more broadly. Uh, yes, for sure. There is such a connect between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking recently um, about the practice of fasting, like the spiritual yeah. practice of fasting and uh -huh. how um, 
I'm not any sort of um, professional faster, but I've right. been learning about fasting recently. And this idea of like denying yourself from food, which seems kind of basic. Like I'm really clear that I have plenty of body fat. Like I'm not going right. to suffer for not eating right. one meal. But like right. my body yes. is going to say, you need this, you need this, you need this. And right. um, it kind of like brings up my neediness in a way that, I don't experience consciously a lot of the time. And right. so then yes. there's this question of, okay, I can give into that and just give myself the food, or I can actually go a little bit deeper and say, right. yeah, you know what? Like without God's word, like without God's strength, I am weak and I do need these things. Right. But I yes. also can turn to him and ask for that. And I just wonder whether that experience of physical suffering, which you've endured Uh in ways that most people have not, also leads to that place of, yeah, I mean, you said this at one point. You're like, God does give us more than we can handle. Like, you wrote that. I was like, I love that line. Yes. Uh, Oh, for sure. You know, but just that sense of like, God gives us more than we can handle so that we turn to the one who can handle us with care. Absolutely. You know what is so interesting is even right now as I have a, I took a bad fall and have a knee injury and I'm going to have to have surgery and I dislocated the knee and tore the ACL Mm -hmm. and MCL meniscus and all these things. And it has been quite painful, even Mm -hmm. with pain meds, quite painful. And I find myself um, being fascinated by kind of a fresh pain because mm-hmm. I haven't had a lot of real pain recently, like physical pain. Yeah. And I, I'm really tuned into how am I feeling about hurting? Like actually, because of course I just take pain meds, make it go away as quickly as possible instead of possibly sitting with it, recognizing like, this hurts. What does that do to me? Mm-hmm. And kind of enjoying would not be the right word because I'm not enjoying it, <laughs> but just recognizing it and sitting in it and wanting to learn a bit from like, what does it feel like to actually experience fresh pain with everything I've been through in the last 12 years and mm. thinking, what is God doing in that? Like yeah. how does our our physical response to any and every situation is the fight or flight. Got to get out as quickly as possible. But to actually be in something is a gift. And I don't want to miss what does it feel like for something to really hurt, like a dislocated knee. And I haven't arrived at the answers. I yeah. don't know much. But I know that there is something something for me there. I've tried to really be present to pain in a yeah. new way than ever before and see if maybe God is really stretching my muscles in that, like my right. capability and threshold are for sure different now, please, all these years later. Um, and, and what is that? And, and does God also potentially give us what we need, knowing we can't handle it, but what we need to cope with our pain. And I think that's a very beautiful thing is maybe 12 years ago, a dislocated knee, the pain would have been absolutely unmanageable. Mm -hmm. I could not have coped with this knee. Perhaps now I totally can because God has equipped me super well in these years of suffering to handle this knee. 
I can't handle it in and of myself, but maybe where I've been has led me to a place where I can handle it in a way that is, um, you know, great. Like I'm, I'm not in terrible pain and mm -hmm. I should be. And what is that? Well, when you've been through far worse and no like significant pain, maybe a dislocated knee isn't the end of the world. And that's a beautiful thing that suffering does allow us. And it's mm. so hard is memory is the ability to have perspective with what we're going through. And I think that is, that's crucial to coping in our hard stories. Well, and you, I mean, really, Suffer Strong is all about reframing, right? Like, and redefining. redefining. And, Absolutely. Um, yes. And yet not, I mean, not in a Pollyanna way, not in a no. denial way. You know, I, I, no. I think it's, um, but really that sense of let's dig deeper and let's ask those questions. Um, but that's also not, as you said, like put a sticker on, at, like the sticker is not the answer, but um, right. There are, and, and it might be a long time before we get an answer. Um, and yet asking the question and living into that trust that, that God is doing something in all of these things. Right. And so, for some reason, this is what God has for me, you know, really owning that rather than just saying, yeah, really bad things happen. And I don't know, but really recognize that God chose me for this specific mm. journey I'm on. I think very much changes how we view our circumstances is yeah. like, this is what God has for my life. This is my journey. Really owning it changes how we feel about it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to pivot a little bit just because I want to make sure, sure to ask you about camp. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because yeah. I, yeah, I just want to know the story. I want to know how you all, I mean, you give tastes of this in Suffer Strong, but I don't feel like I get the, I get the whole picture. Um, and I would like to know, like, how you decided to start this camp. Obviously, tell us about the camp itself, like a typical day, who comes, what happens there. And um, yeah, I would just love for you to talk about camp a little bit. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So so we didn't just magically think of this idea. Um, it was for sure something that, you know, took about probably, I mean, 10 years, <laughs> not that long, no, eight years or so to marinate in our heads and hearts um, that essentially, as you would know all too well, there is such a deep need for a family system where someone is disabled within that family system to have experiences that are not always possible in the setting unlike a vacation camp atmosphere mm. and done in community with other families going through the same thing has a possibility to be a game changer for how all these families view their lives. Mm. And in conjunction with that, the idea that allowing, and, and this is research, this is proven to be true, that research has shown time and time again that if you can equip families where disability is part of the story with rest, 
resources and relationships, you can change the outcome of the story. And ultimately you can change how they feel about their lives. Of course, for us as Christians, we believe the most important resourcing we could ever give a family is the perspective of Jesus being in the story with them mm. and the hope of what is to come in heaven. We know that they need deep rest from their busy lives, and we know that they need deep connection and relationship to other families. So voila, camp was born, because camp really is the melding of all of those things. It is a deep soul rest reset. It's also a family system together. We're not taking away the disabled child or the disabled mother or the amputee father. Mm. We're bringing everyone to camp together. So there's this holistic togetherness of the family in community with other families going through the same thing. So what happens is even though everybody's got different stuff going on, all sorts of various, I mean, 33 last summer, different types of disabilities happening. Young, old, children, parents, all sorts of stories of disability. There is this bizarre commonality. It's really crazy. There's this camaraderie in everybody's got something. Everybody's yeah. got something different. But rather than everybody going to a camp for what, you know, kids with CP, everybody go to camp there. Well, that can be wonderful in many ways. Right. But if the kids with CP can see a dad or a mom who, like me, who's, who's living with the aftermath of a stroke, that really changes the brain because they're seeing very different stories of disabilities lived out. When done in community like this, there is this bizarre freedom that happens. It's really crazy, actually, that somehow all this various outer brokenness that you're seeing in front of your eyes, like instantly gives way to this strange, deep bonding because mm. nobody's trying to fix each other. Nobody's trying to heal. Nobody's trying to correct things. It's just being together. And my theory is that the bizarre communal, like, almost instant like embracing of each other has everything to do with the fact that living the quote-unquote american dream is no longer available to these families mm -hmm. so like they're not concerned with it anymore yeah. they're on the other end of the spectrum where they actually are wanting to disrupt the lie that joy only comes in a pain-free life mm -hmm. they're like banding instantly together to proclaim that we're not going to worship the idol of pain-free life. It's not available. You know, that's not our story. But there's still joy in this story. And we can celebrate life and God being in the midst together with us right here and right now. And I think that's really like the magic of camp is this bizarre 
instant bonding because they found their people that are no longer pretending that life could only be good mm -hmm. if there's no bad stuff in it. There's no hard, there's no suffering. There's, there's only a good bucket and a bad bucket and mm. that's America. But instead there is so much gray and there's never going to be truly good without hard and truly hard without good in it. And these people get that and they're living that. And so there's this very visceral, like this is my tribe thing that happens among strangers from 36 different States around the country coming to Alabama in the summertime. Is crazy. <laughs> crazy. It's beautiful. That is beautiful. And how many years has this been going on now? So we just had our fourth year. And okay. it's, it's, I mean, we thought this would be some tiny little offering of sweet friends in Alabama, my husband's home state, and we're Southern, so we love the deep south and thought it would be just a sweet little regional thing. And then very quickly, we recognized, oh my goodness, the first summer there was people there from 29 different states wow. who had driven or flown in. And we realized, oh my word, this is so much bigger than we could have ever imagined. And the disabilities are all over the map. There's young and all that. We had our first summer, we had a six month old baby and an 86 year old woman mm. um, for the week of camp. And it's just heaven on earth. So you gather that generational diversity, the, the range of disabilities, the stories, I mean, the regions of the country. I mean, it's just, it's a picture of heaven. You just got to come, maybe, Julia. I, I plan to. I really do. And I'm so thrilled to just be, um, yeah, I think just, I think of what you just said in terms of heaven on earth and oh, it that is. sense it's, it's of like, like the yeah, the banquet table, right? Like who is it oh. set for? And it is for that um, array of diverse people. And that's again, where I feel like there's this um, unusual and unexpected healing that happens when you also right. bring people together across what are typically these boundary lines and say right. we can connect and we can connect in these places of brokenness in such a deep way that that is actually part of the healing. Absolutely. You know, that, that is truly this unexpected, just, I don't even have words for it. This bonding of camp families that last all year long. I mean, these people mm -hmm. don't just see each other at camp. They're daily texting each other. They're sending Christmas cards and in each other's lives, flying to be with each other, driving across the country if they have to. I mean, mm. this is like a, like a different deal than we could have ever seen coming that these people so desperately needed each other. I also think it's this like beautiful irony that you are the family that you're also saying needs the rest and restoration that you're providing. Uh, so it's like, I don't know. There's something very beautiful about that. There, there is. We're, no, we're very aware of that. And we, we love that so much. You know, one of the, the first um, moments of recognizing this is what God has for us was 
years ago we spoke at a camp it was a johnny if you know johnny and friends yeah. ministry johnny and friends have family retreats and we spoke at a family retreat and as jen because initially we started really just speaking and writing and sharing our story through a blog and as we were sharing that night we realized we could have been the campers just right. as easily as we were the speakers mm -hmm. and that's when the shift began of oh wait like we we are who we want to be talking to mm -hmm. who are the weariest among us and who are such a broken down group of people so much just deep soul weariness and not sadly was just not even a thought i mean it's really embarrassing to say after my stroke oh, i never wanted to be the girl in the wheelchair that just wasn't going to be my life like i'd get back to walking and running marathons and give god the glory from that posture that right. was always what i thought yes and now i mean if i ever just started walking normally again i just do not know how i feel about it like i i've so embraced my wheelchair i can't see my life without it i mean i'm sure god would give me the grace to walk again and to be cool whatever but it's just so a part of my story now and i feel such a deep camaraderie with my brothers and sisters in the wheelchair i have a friend with cerebral palsy who uses canes most of the time and uh -huh. after penny was born when i was thinking about that sense of like but what is she going to be in heaven and will she have down syndrome in heaven and what's the again kind of that ideal physical and emotional person whatever I remember right. asking my friend who uses canes, I was like, so do you just assume you won't have your canes when you're in heaven? And she said to me, she's like, oh, I've never thought about that before. Like, I've thought about I'm going to get to see Jesus. I've thought about being in the presence of God. But like, you're not using my canes. That would just be weird. You know, and it, so it was right. like, she's not going through her life thinking, Oh, the burden of my cane. She's thinking, right. I get to walk around. Like, this is my body that I've been given. And it's just a very different perspective. Yes, which that's it. Oh, yes. My, my wheelchair, you know, the world would say, many would say that you're wheelchair bound. You know, you hear that a lot. Like, yes. you're confined or limited by whatever is in your life that is a limitation actually not just a wheelchair in my case a wheelchair actually i think the very opposite is true that the wheelchair is an agent of my freedom the mm. wheelchair is how i get out in the world it's not yeah. limiting me. it's not binding me it's quite the opposite it enables me to go where i want to go to do what i want to do it's literally the avenue to freedom in every way it's the way i get where i want to go mm. and you know i i say a lot that i do have a seat at the table as do all of our brothers and sisters with disabilities you may just have to open the door so they can get in the room mm. and that's the truth that there's so much to be learned for holding the door open mm. and we some of us need that that i'm good i gotta see the table absolutely but you're gonna have to help me get in the door and that is such a picture of what we are all called to as believers is help each other through the door to get to the table and i think that's um disability 
reiterates the deep need of community to to get through this life, to live and to be and to thrive, to flourish in our stories. And I think that sense of you going from seeing the wheelchair as something that binds you to something that frees you, as seeing your story not of one of overcoming all the odds and running a marathon again, but actually living within brokenness, loving within limitation, all of those things is really, again, I think the invitation that we all have to healing, to being in Uh, community, to being Mm -hmm. connecting, to connect with other people across these divides. And I'm so grateful that you all have chosen you and Jay together to tell your story in so many different ways and then to live it out. I think it's really cool. I mean, to have the camp aspect, like that you're not just speaking and writing, not to say that's not a big job, but that there's also this sense of like, here's how this looks, what this looks like in in a more embodied way. It's not just words. It's actually how we live and invite other people to come in. Absolutely. Yes. No, it's, um, it's it's crazy to think that I so rejected disability as being a part of my story, our family story post-stroke, mm. because that was ludicrous <laughs> and probably a very typical response if you have not lived with disability right. is I've got to get it out of the story. It's kind of that final what would the word even be like as a Western world, we reject what is not fully health in Mm -hmm. wealth for that matter, but to embrace a broken body would be so the opposite of how I understood the world is it, it, it requires you to really have to live it to get there or be around it, I would say, which is just a little um, advertisement that everybody needs to come to camp and get that perspective. <laughs> hey, I will I will underline that because I do feel like the under if we can encounter people who embody more visibly um, right. disability, yes. then we actually yes. all can understand our humanity so much more deeply. And again, like the potential for that deeper healing work to happen. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I deeply love the links. And I think you've made a, a good many that have made memories in my mind mm. of the links between just a racial conversation mm-hmm. and the other the unknown of all of our stories and where disability comes into that and just the whole notion of how privilege can isolate us from so many of the ways we see each other and i'm just all about those links and how you are so beautifully marrying those in in humans minds Well, Catherine, thank you so much. Um, I am grateful for the work that you do, for sure, and really grateful that um, our listeners are going to get a chance to know your story, to hear about camp, be invited to it, um, and honestly, again, to be invited personally into that journey of healing that God wants for all of us. So thank you for being here today. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Love is Stronger Than Fear. We are excited to give away a copy of Catherine and Jay's latest book, Suffer Strong. 
To enter for your chance to win, simply share this podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and be sure to tag me when you share it. All the details for the giveaway will be in the show notes. I also encourage you to check out the Hope Heals website to learn more about Catherine and Jay and their work. I actually ordered a lot of Christmas gifts in 2020 from their gift store. There's some great stuff over there. I do always want to thank our co-host, Breaking Ground. I want to thank Jake Hansen for editing and Amber Beery for doing all the coordination that it takes to get this podcast out into the world. And I want to thank you for listening. As you go into your day today, I hope you will carry with you the peace that comes from believing that love is stronger than fear.